0: Welcome everyone to the rabbit Tree Center Homestead Podcast, where we'll discuss all facets of running and operating a rabbit tree. This podcast is intended to be your go-to source of information as we answer all your rabbitry questions and more. And now, from Bath, Michigan, your host, Bobby Jimenez. And
1: we're back for episode number 10. Number 10. Nine? Is it 10? It's, it's 10. 10. Jeez, oh Pete. So, But, but the last 10. episode, we were wrong. It was the wrong it was the other number. Yeah. We should have did another take. So we're back for episode ten. Let's talk rabbits. It is ten. And this one we're gonna do uh getting your rabbits to the wintertime. Now we're done with the summertime. We're done with breeding. Let's talk about the wintertime coming up. Yeah. It's getting cold.
0: So um I was gonna start off by mentioning this little snippet that I found uh on the internet, and it was about uh rabbits being introduced to Australia. And in 1859, European rabbits were introduced into the Australian wilds so that they could be hunted. Thomas Austin, a wealthy settler who lived in Victoria, Australia, had 13 European wild rabbits sent to him from across the world, which he let Rome free on his estate. From this one backyard sanctuary, it took only around 50 years for these invasive rabbits to spread across the entire continent. Their numbers became so large that they destroyed crops and land, leading to soil erosion. They also negatively affected agriculture and plants by overgrazing. Not only did the rabbits wreak havoc on Australian croplands, they contributed to the decline of native plant and animal species. Even the uh, Commonwealth Environment Protection and Biodiversity Conservation Act of 1999, the Australian government's main environmental legislation, List very effects of the feral rabbits such as land de- degra- degradation as a threatening process that was just that's just crazy
1: it is interesting because you know in most cases rabbits have been used to balance the ecosystem you know not destroy the habitat and uh, it's amazing how 13 rabbits turned into that yeah yeah so interesting so what have you been up to this week uh, it's getting colder. We're harvesting. We're trying to clear the field so we can get our our winter wheat down. We're going to cover crop our food plots. Uh, we're going to get our wheat into the fields. We're going to get our wheat into the raised beds. I still have to get the potatoes out of the raised bed. Oh no um, kidding! Yeah, we're we're.
0: Did you harvest any of those grapes?
1: Yes, we we have a lot of the har- We we have a lot left, and that's that's some great rabbit food too. Those they can eat the. They like that. They can eat the vines, the vines oh. and the leaves. Yeah, they They don't eat the grapes. They really enjoy it. Well, it's got the pit in there and the fruit, you know, it's, they don't really need the sugar. So their bodies just aren't built to process carbs and sugars and (laughs) diabetic rabbits. Yeah. You know, they can have a little treat. Usually when I treat, give them a treat, it's like, you know, like a slice the size of a a spoon, you know, like just a slice of a banana or something like that. Oh, okay. But yeah, been harvesting a lot of food and, um, hanging tree stands. Yeah. The other day I went out and hung a tree stand. Took my e-bike out there. I strapped my tree stand to the back of the bike. How did that run anyway? Man. Is that the first was, time you took it out? Yeah, it was the first time I actually took it out and and used it for what I bought it for. Right. I've I've rode it several times, a dozen times, you know, just practicing, get more used to it. What an amazing tool. I tell you, you guys, if you have a property where you need to get to the back with, you know, your bow, you can just put a rack on that. And you can see this on Bobby's Bucks, my YouTube channel. But what A cool. This is the future. I know the e cars aren't really taking off, but the e bikes are amazing. I think that's the future. Yeah, it's pretty.
0: It's pretty cool, man. I was impressed
1: looking at it. Yeah, that's pretty neat.
0: So we're going to be talking about uh, wintertime, and I guess we'll start off with uh, housing housing the rabbits in wintertime. And
1: that sounds good. Okay, so housing rabbits when you're, um, you you know, you have to be ready for this snow buildup, and I, I would say most important, I would say. Don't wait until winter time and there's snow down to load the trailer up and go get your straw for all the insulation and all the bedding. Uh, make sure your hay, you know, if you're going through hey. four or five ba- bales of hay uh, in the winter months, you know, especially in, it's, it's not that important if you're down south. But, you know, for the northern states, we get so much snow, we can't get the hay. You just can't get to the barn. So you wanna make sure you take care of that because you're gonna be going through a lot of straw using insulation and things. And with the wind block, it's important the bottom of your hutch. Now, if this is for outdoor hutches, now if you have your rabbits in a barn, you know, really they're gonna be fine in freezing temperatures. Temperatures really they're good down to negative thirty Fahrenheit. I mean, these rabbits are comfortable. They're not just like gonna survive. They're gonna they're gonna survive in very cold temps. Well. Yeah, and they're gonna They're going to be happier, believe it or not. They're going to be happier than in that kind of environment than they are in when it's summertime in the nineties. You'll see that they're not laying on their sides. They're hopping around. They're having a lot of fun. They're chewing their ice. I mean, they're, they're happier in the wintertime, but the hutch, we have an outdoor hutch. So it's very important. You know, they're, they're good in those temperatures, but if you don't block the wind, that's when the wind can really cut through all their fur. That That's when they actually can perish. That's when you can actually lose rabbits from the cold is when you're letting the wind um, cool them down to the point where their, yeah. their body temperature, their core is being affected from that wind. So as long as you put up some six mil plastic and you can get this stuff on our storefront, you can go into Home Depot, Lowe's, you can pick this stuff up. Sometimes you can find it for right around 20, 30 bucks because you don't have to buy, like, say, 100 feet long of it. You know, you really only need 25, 30 feet, and that's going to probably do your entire hutch.
0: So you're just going around the base of the – basically just wrapping it around like Tyvex and around the open posts.
1: Yep, just like that. And and some folks go nuts, and they wrap their whole thing, like it's just a big, you know, bubble-wrapped hutch. But airflow is very important. So hopefully you have your rabbitry – positioned like towards the north where that south east west all these winds are protected so uh, that's what we do we wrap around but then we leave the front open that way we can still remove um, manure. manure when it's yeah. not frozen um, you know we're going to be uh, accessing the bowls and we want to be able to get into the cages and, and folks that wrap their entire cage like that that's it's not going to be good. I mean, it will heat them up because if, if you're getting in the sun, you're going to have that greenhouse effect. They'll get that greenhouse effect when the sun hits the back of the hutch and it's coming through that plastic that's wrapped around the hutch. Um, some folks, we were talking about on a previous podcast about how they do that with chicken coops. Yeah. They'll they'll really increase yeah, the heat temperature. They'll, they'll continue more. just instead of
0: taking the chicken poop out, they'll continue to add straw layers yeah. to it and, and that would heat from that insulates the
1: – Yeah. It's some serious heat coop. because – If when I'm stirring rabbit manure, you know, you got to do it every day or it'll just freeze. It'll, it'll finally cool down and solidify. But when you're turning it, it is steaming. It is steaming coming out there when it's freezing temps and it's pretty neat looking, but yeah, it's, it's some serious heat. So you think like it's on fire or something. So the poop's on fire. (laughs) Yeah, it does. It does stay warm. It's another heat source, so I I can understand how these chicken coops can stay warm. But so plastic is so important, you know. Make sure, and I've gotten some emails about that. How you know folks have lost rabbits or a litter because they have say their kindling tote, and the wind is just blasting right into their their kindling tote through the tile, and it's just you know because there is especially if there's a hole at the front, a hole at the back, there's uh, ventilation that that cold air is flowing through nice and nice and easy. That's going to chill a litter, and in those cases, it's really as simple as just putting a bale of straw in front of that door, like you know, about maybe twelve inches away from the, the opening. Drop a bale of straw right there. It's going to block all that wind. It's not going to get in there. Maybe you can even do a, a ninety degree, so it's got a side protection and a straight on. But wind block is very important. So, but then there's insulation. You know, when it comes to straw, you've thought ahead. You got your straw ready. And you want to insulate these cages, especially when it gets really, really cold. Now, it's not always necessary. I mean, it could be freezing temps. You don't have to go out there and just pack it with straw because they're going to pee on the straw. They're going to have manure in the straw. And that's straw that you're probably going to have to remove, especially when it gets dark and flat and straight or uh, uh, stained. That's when it's time to remove it. That's just bacteria. But when you have cold chills, when it's like feeling like it's negative 10 or something like that, go out there and put down a piece of newspaper. It's so simple. Put down a couple handfuls of straw and then stuff your hide boxes, couple two, three handfuls of straw, and then flip it over. And now it's got strawberry on there. And that paper is going to buy you a week. I mean, it's going to buy you, you know, five to seven days and a rabbit can can crawl through there. And you can watch our video too on um, getting through the winter, getting your rabbits through the wintertime. You know, Rachel's actually on there. She's only been on a few videos. But we go through all this, how to stuff your hide boxes and your nesting boxes and in those nesting boxes come with cage or with a uh, cage wire but it's so important whenever you're using nesting boxes you even want to insulate those with a cardboard beer box or pop box put down a couple or an inch of shavings and then put in your straw put your straw on top of that and we're talking about like three or four handfuls of straw if you're going to be running nesting boxes i would recommend putting down another piece of paper under that and put a ring of straw around the nesting box just in case a kit falls out or we always talk about how it is still latched on to mama's teat on the wire maybe that'll buy you a little bit more time so but straw insulation in your nesting boxes in your hide boxes on the on the cage floor bottom you know wrapping the bottom of your your rabbitry hutches this is really only necessary when it's like below freezing your rabbits are going to be just fine in the cage floor bottom, the entire 100% of the cage floor doesn't need to be insulated with straw. It doesn't You don't need to have straw all over because like we talked about, they're just going to pee on it. It's going to be frozen. So what I usually do is I leave the corner, their bathroom corner, the one they've designated, leave that open so they can use the bathroom and the straw will stay clean.
0: Yeah. So the nesting boxes and the hide boxes, um, did you touch on kindling totes? I think you might've mentioned it, but I don't think you went into it.
1: Yeah, kindling totes uh, are the best tool for if folks want to entertain breeding in the wintertime. Um, oh, one more thing I wanted to talk about with, as far as the straw, you know, bringing the straw out and around to the to the uh, hutch in the wintertime. I usually use my snow sled. It's so easy just to throw all that, everything that you need, even with the kindling totes when we're running litters, because those kindling totes are incredible tools for breeding through the wintertime it's very disheartening to come out and see kit after kit frozen on the cage floor bottom. You know, eventually you're like, okay, we're just not going to breed in the winter time. You know, no more, no more of this because obviously they don't stand a chance. Right. You know, if we, if they get pulled out. So we wanted to fix that. And years and years ago, we started messing around with boxes and totes. And I finally, I ended up getting the 30 gallon tote, cutting the six inch tile in it and having it ready. At first we, we let it go in the summertime, but we just kept going. We kept testing it throughout the years. And I noticed in the winter time when they had a nesting box available, they still chose the kindling tote. And it was perfect because we didn't have to worry about kits being frozen out on the cage floor bottom anymore. They, they don't, they don't make it out of the tile, the tile, they fall off every time. They've never been able to make it up that that ramp, you know, because they don't make it out of that tote. In the same way that we design the way the the tote or the tile sits on top of a two by three or two by four before the rabbit before Mama leaves the the tote, the kit it knocks the 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 kit down, and eventually it'll squirm back into the cluster. And we've just had so much success with these things. You know, they do have their problems. They they don't last forever. How are you accessing them? The totes, aren't are they underground? They are. They're underground. And in a previous podcast, we talked about how we don't drill through the, the tote, but we were talking about the bottom. The bottom isn't drilled for drainage, but we do need to ventilate them. Those totes that don't have two ways in, one way in, one way out, they don't have cross ventilation. So those need holes, ventilation holes drilled on the very top underneath the lid so there doesn't get rain in there. You can access the totes because the totes have a top on them. So we're only insulating the very top, maybe half foot, uh, maybe a, right up to about where the tile's at. And that keeps the floor cold. It keeps the temperature regulated in there. It's always going to be a little bit cooler, a little bit warmer, depending on, you know, what time of year it is. And just simply take the top off. You're, you're the top is usually some three yeah, quarters. In the
0: wintertime, how are you keeping all the, I mean, how are you keeping all the snow and stuff off of it so you can access it?
1: Uh, you can see on our videos, there's times. Can't wait. When, when, uh, it's like six inches of snow is on top of these tops. So basically we'll just, you know, brush them off and then we'll slide the top. Sometimes we have to kind of twist them to, to crack the frozen top. We'll move that. And then it, so other times the top will come off with the board. Like everything comes off as once. Cause if there, you know, maybe some water got underneath it. They're right there. They're wiggling around. Yeah. And so how long always I mean, in the
0: wintertime do you have to do it quicker, the process of checking on them quicker because they're you just exposed them to that cold air. Yeah, or? I do.
1: I do. I always try to go and sometimes it's snowing, you know. And then even times when it's raining, you know, you don't want to chill the litter. Uh whenever they get wet, whenever they get, you know, uh snow or something on them, that could be that could be a, a killer. Shocker. So yeah, they're they're probably you know, I mean a cold kit usually means a dead kit. So you want to keep them right around hundred degrees, but you know, at any time in the winter time, if you've noticed that, you know, if you are running litters, those galvanized nesting boxes, you're going to want to line those with cardboard. So, but we can, we can get back to this. Um, We're going to break for our product. And today we're going to talk about uh, heat up bowls. We did talk about the heat up bottles, but if you want to go with bowls, there's heat up bowls options. There's always another option I'll talk about here later, uh, what we do, and we don't use any heat up anything. But if you have an indoor uh, barn or shed or garage where you can run uh, power, you can plug these bowls right in. And then we'll also talk about that six mil plastic. There's a great link in our storefront where uh, it's a great price for the, for the right stuff. Take it away, Russ.
0: All right. So there's a few bullet points about this item. Uh, NAMSAN. NAMSAN is dedicated to researching pet supplies the small heated pet bowl is authorized by NAMSAN which made of quality food grade PP material safe and healthy. This pet heated bowl only for indoor small animals like puppies, cats, rabbits, chickens, birds. Don't use it outside below freezing temperatures because of the low because the low power only keeps water or food warm to prevent the pet from cold drinking or eating. Bolt holder fits indoor kennel, crate, wire cage, barn, coop. Holes on the holder also can install screws, nails into the wall, or coop or the barn. Only provided a USB type plug cable, no supply adapter. Need to provide an adapter plug or wall charger. Deep, 2.5 2.5 inch uh, width, four point seven two inches hold twenty ounces of water or some dry food. Please leave food or water below the max level when working. So it doesn't look like this one actually goes
1: outdoors. It does, does. it plug in?
0: Yeah, it plugs in with a USB.
1: Oh, it plugs in with USB. It does. Oh, okay, yeah. so it would be with a backup power source. Yep. So you could just buy a, a battery pack for it, which yep. pr- I can I can't imagine it would run. It very says long. don't
0: use it outside low <laughs> freezing temperatures.
1: <laughs> well, then never mind.
0: But there are, but they do make the ones that you can.
1: So they mean inside, um, like a garage or a barn or a structure. Yeah, like no, no, inside not. the cage that's
0: going to be inside. Okay, well, good to know. Does, I mean, I mean what's screw the screw point of the heating cage. it
1: up if it's going to be inside? You know, so spoil your pet. I guess. Never use our product.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is the plastic uh, sheathing that uh, he was talking about. Six foot by twenty five foot uh, roll.
1: Yeah, can you? Because you can go buy different kinds of plastics. You want the six mil? This is the 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 really tough stuff. You can even reuse it. Yeah, it's
0: the 6 mil. You you don't want to go with a 5 mil. You want to go with a 6 mil.
1: Whatever it takes. Do they make
0: 7 mil? Oh, yeah. Okay, plastic sheeting. Adds layer protection to your floors, materials, furniture, equipment, and during messy projects. Greenhouse, the plastic sheeting can be used as a moisture barrier or temporary enclosures to cover up plants. Size is 10 foot by 25 foot long, 6 mil plastic sheeting, 250 square feet of coverage, which is a good size and durable for any type of general use. Heavy-duty the plastic sheeting is very durable for any type of general use. It's unstable. It is unstable for different applications and can withstand rain, cold, and heat. TAPEX brand is known worldwide with superior product quality and service. It says it's unstable? It says durable for any type of, and then it says, yeah, it says. Unstable. Is that more than famous? (laughs) Yeah. The infamous? That's weird. But, yep, plastic sheeting.
1: It Thank you, Russ. D. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another thing about that pl- six mil plastic and just insulating using totes in the wintertime, I've even gone as far as to wrap the runs that we have. We have, so our, we talked about our kindling tote, how it comes, you come down the ramp, you go into the kindling tote, you come out of the kindling tote into our extended cage, our little run that's about eight feet by two feet. Well, we've, we've gone as far as wrapping that with the six mil plastic too, because what happens is, the sun will come through and the, it, they'll get to walk out there and they'll get that greenhouse effect from the sun hitting that plastic. Plus it melts all the snow. We don't have to worry about mama when she's in the run, getting you know snow all over and coming back in and getting over her litter and chilling the litter. That could be a killer. So you want to make sure if you're running litters, protect that from snow, make sure no snow is getting in your runs or your, your colony set up or whatever, because that could be, bad you know whenever you're not running caged systems period you're gonna there's gonna be challenges so whenever you're letting your your rabbits run around on the ground you know you're gonna have to work a little harder
0: so any any more points on the kindling totes
1: um no just that you know they'll avoid uh frozen kits on the wire that was one thing we really noticed yeah um um, anything else about frozen kits on the wire if you choose to breed your rabbits in the winter time just know that that's very, very challenging. It's not easy. You're going to, you're going to have to pre- prepare yourself for losses. And you may want to entertain the idea of not breeding during the coldest times of the year. Now, if you're in the South, it's not that big of a deal, but you know, Michigan, New York, you know, Indiana, even I, Illinois, Northern Illinois, you'll receive snow. You're going to have freezing temperatures. And if they get out of that nesting box for, you know, even just a few minutes, their core, their body's going to drop. So, so just be aware of that. You got to check them a lot, a lot more often and it's tough. And then plus negative 10 Fahrenheit, you know, this is when your rabbits will experience infertility. So that's another thing. I mean, if you're, if it's really, really cold and your rabbits don't have a chance to escape those elements, you know, you may experience infertility too. So,
0: um, Oh, you did mention about, uh, removing the marble.
1: Yeah. Um so in the rabbitry hutch we have marble, six little six inch by twelve inch tiles, and the marble will always be a little bit colder than even ceramic. It's like the coldest thing you can use. We remove those because there's no need and we'll just replace them with a piece of plywood, some half inch plywood. And that's just fine for the winter time.
0: Um why don't we move on to feeding and watering portions?
1: Yeah, watering is one of the biggest pains when it comes to wintertime because the bottles are, they're just no good unless you plug them in, you use the heat up ones and you can't go over to the spigot because the spigot's frozen, at least here in Michigan it is. Now that means we're hauling water from uh, a pipe that's heated. What a pain in the agua. It is. So what I use is a five gallon bucket and I have my faucet set up so I can get a five gallon bucket in there. I also use a two gallon bucket and in the two gallon bucket It'll be lukewarm water uh in the wintertime. And I've I've ran the test, the, the famous test of hot water, cold water, lukewarm water, what freezes the fastest? And what wins. Do you want to know? I do. Guess I think, I think the guests want to know too. They all froze at the same time. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I I tried to do this test so many times and they all seem to freeze at the same time. So I which, really which was about how long? Oh, I don't know. You know, I, I
0: you did it so many times you forgot.
1: Yeah. I, I want to say, <laughs> I want to say sometimes it's surprising, you know, sometimes you would think depending on how cold it is outside, that's going to yeah. matter. Right. But I mean, you would think that it would freeze like that, but it would be out there over an hour and it still wasn't frozen. So you're just thinking, yeah, you know, watch but,
0: pot never boils. I guess. So, well, I guess that's the watch, probably a watch the bowl never freezes.
1: Yeah. I actually, I didn't try it that many times. I mean, I, I did the test, the experiment three times. So, and it just, it was inconclusive. I'm just thinking, well, what a jip. So, so, I use uh, Dixie cups. Maybe that was the wrong thing. Oh, okay. But, but yeah, I always put lukewarm water regardless. I just don't want to put cold water in there. Yeah. And if you're going to be using bowls, we use four cup rubber made bowls. We use a 10 inch bungee strap. If on our videos, you can see that we have a, a screw. It just sits on two, two by fours like sister board screwed into together, sandwiched together. The bowl sits on top of that A you strap a bungee over it. And then so we just take the bowl and, and submerge it into the lukewarm two, two gallon bucket. And we'll use that bucket because sometimes they'll have like a frozen uh, bunny berry in there, a little piece of manure, or they'll have like straw in there frozen. So that's why we'll usually worry about keeping the five gallon supply clean really only takes like one two seconds of submerging that and the whole thing gets water in the bowl and around that and the thing just pops right out Sweet. so yeah and then you know How geez, that go? after you go. the the end oh, of the winter <laughs> after the end of the winter there's a pile it's getting weaker every time you do it yeah because I'm getting more annoyed <laughs> <laughs> the the pile is you know three feet you have this thing piled up against the chicken coop. At least I do, because of all the ice pops. In case you know, unless you have any heat waves, but but that, it's that easy. Just get some pops them right out, and and usually I'll go right down the line. And then when I'm done, I used to just lift and that's up. That's probably fire.
0: better than like trying to clank it, because then you you risk cracking the the plastic.
1: Very good point. Like I'm glad that. you brought that yeah. up. Yeah, for years I was trying to figure out how in the heck can I manipulate this? How can I bend it? How can I twist it? So I don't keep cracking them. Well, in the wintertime, everything's so brittle. It's so easy just to smack a little snow shovel up against a something and it's the whole thing snaps off the handle. You know, those bowls are no different, but unless you just submerge them in that water, it's going to be, it's going to be hard to, to, to pop that ice out. But that was the one thing. Once we started taking that two gallon bucket out there. It was just easy. Hmm. From there on that's out, life changed. Yeah. From there on out, the bowl was the way to go because those bottles will, that nipple will freeze. Everything will solidify. They won't get any water. And if they don't drink, your rabbits won't eat. And then they're dehydrated. They're malnourished. You know, they, they, that could be serious trouble for your herd, for your, for your rabbitry. So make sure they stay hydrated in the wintertime. That's actually really tough to keep them hydrated because of the frozen times. It's really good though. They will actually chew through the layer of ice. It's good for their teeth. Cures boredom. And you'll come out and you'll see in the little bowls that they have this little hole, maybe the size of a quarter, sometimes even bigger, where they've been gnawing with their teeth and getting getting through it and getting to the water. So I change my water every 12 hours. Usually I'm out there, uh, this is just my schedule. Usually I'm out there about 3 45 a.m. and then I'll come back when in the afternoon, and I'll usually do it 3:30 same time, 3.30 p.m. in the in the afternoon. So, every 12 hours, it's very important to keep fresh water in there. Your rabbits are going to do just fine. If you don't get a chance, what will happen is they will chew your bowl. You'll come back and half the bowl will be missing and you won't even be able to fill it with water. Or you'll fill it with water and you'll, you'll hear water draining like a hose is on. And that's when you realize, oh, the rabbit chewed a hole in there. So, if you want to avoid that, keep it full of water
0: they're letting you know that they're mad. Yeah, they're like they're
1: like, oh, don't you're going to leave my bowl empty, I'm going to chew it. Yeah, I wish I could drop some rabbit manure in your shoe.
0: <laughs> so, uh what about feeding and watering portions?
1: So, the water is the same deal. Same thing, 4 cups of water fresh cups. water. Yep. And I used to lift up the entire bucket and go down the line and fill all the the tubs or the bowls up. And now I just use a four cup measuring cup. So that makes it really easy just to fill up the four cup tray with a four cup measuring cup. But as far as food goes in the, in the, and I listened to a previous podcast where I was talking about the portions. I just want to shake myself in the summertime. I feed a third of a cup of pellet in the morning and a third of a cup in the evening. This is right around the, the recommended amount. 0.5 0.5 ounces per pound.
0: So are rabbits like dogs where if you give them their two-thirds of pellet all at once for the day, they're just going to eat it and then throw it back up? Or are they like a cat where you can <laughs> leave it with its food and it'll last like a
1: week? Yeah. Rabbits can't vomit. Oh, okay. So- That's interesting. So they, they're they not going to throw up. They're, they will actually, some of them will eat it right away. Some of them won't. You know, some of them, like, just like depends on what so, kind I mean, of rabbit your you Your schedule
0: itself is t- twice a day, but can yep. somebody do it once a day? Yes.
1: They can absolutely feed. And, but as far as watering goes, that's a little bit, you know, challenging. You still,
0: you still think or believe that twice a day is better.
1: As far as water changes, yeah, to keep them so they have fresh water. If you, if you can't do that, then you may want to entertain the idea of, um, either running them in a garage where you can keep it heated at freezing, you know, where the water will stay fresh or stay not ice or you'll have to run heated bowls or heated uh, bottles. So just to make sure that they stay hydrated so they can keep eating. But as far as portions go, um, yeah, you can absolutely feed once a day or you can feed twice a day. And I'll just split that because I, you know, I just want to go out there and check on them every 12 hours anyway. Yeah. But yeah, I got a buddy at work. He feeds his rabbits and chickens once a day. He goes out there Every day after work, he just gets home and does it then. But um, as far as portions go, I'm, I go from a third in the, in the summertime to a half cup twice a day in the wintertime. Okay. When it's so, really cold. So they're getting a cup a day during the winter. Yeah. Just because I mean, these are medium sized rabbits. they It right doesn't around. seem
0: like that much more. I mean, compared to, I mean, you're getting two thirds compared to a full cup now.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I
0: mean, it's not really that much more, but you're giving them just a little bit more, a little bit more. Yeah. Because
1: you can run into trouble if these rabbits overeat, which they will, they'll get fat and your does when they get heavy, this will cause complications. Um, they rabbits gain internal weight, but you know, Fast and this pinches off your dose fallopian tubes. This so will when mess- you say
0: internal weight, are you talking like their organs get
1: fatter? They will grow uh, weight around their organs and around their muscles. And when you process a, an older rabbit, you'll see all this extra white fat on it, where you don't see those in fryers. So what co- with the complications that does happen- it help with taste? Like fat doesn't meat? I mean, in hamburger or steak. Yeah, it's, that's interesting because. In mo- in most cases, I haven't used rabbit fat for anything because I never really see it unless it's an old rabbit, yeah. which is rare to- for us.
0: And and you consider an old rabbit a roaster.
1: R- right, any rabbit that's over 3 months is considered into the roasting stage. They're going to be a little bit rougher. They're going to start to toughen up. Yep, but not to say that you can't make a rabbit that's 3 years old delicious. You know, you can really just tender the tenderize the meat. Prepare it correctly, age it correctly, you know, slow cook it, roast it, however you want to prepare it, but you just wouldn't cook it as fast or the same way you would your fryer. But, um, yeah, so you absolutely can feed them. You can feed them once a day or you can feed them twice a day, but it's important to still provide hay. I still provide hay uh, once uh, a handful in the morning and a handful in the evening. And, you know, they're still going to need their fiber. You can... Also offer some oats once in a while, you know, just be careful because oats are black oil, sunflower seeds is higher in calories. And again, you can run into, uh, oh, now I remember what I was talking about. The does overweight and does over, but overweight oh, yeah. bucks and overweight does. One thing you want to look out for is when you're feeding your does and your bucks a little bit extra in the winter time, they can gain internal fat, the does, especially because they gain internal fat around their organs and they can, this can pinch off fallopian tubes. This can affect negatively affect conception. Your does can actually uh, not want to breed. We talked about how it sticks its face in the pellet because that's yeah. what it's in love with. So just be careful. Try to, to be disciplined when it comes to feeding your rabbits and just giving them the appropriate amount to burn a few more calories when needed, when it's really cold with those cold swings. Yeah. But other than that, you're still maintaining a diet, a, a disciplined diet, because these, your rabbits, you should look at them like Olympians. They are your athletes that are producing, you know, what do we do with our Olympians? We give them the best care, the best doctors, the best food, the best supplements. And that's the same thing you should do for your rabbits.
0: Um. So, oh, okay. Oh my gosh. We're almost, we didn't even get into our, uh, we got a lot left for the next podcast.
1: We're going to be a part two.
0: I, it's, well, we're that gonna really, go into breeding and infertil infern infer, infer... infertility. I'm tongue sorry. Tongue twister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, breeding infertility In at minus famous. at minus ten degrees. And then we've got uh, some discussions about processing and yeah, you can sell, still get selling done. during the, the wintertime and and uh, yeah, all that good stuff. So
1: awesome. Man, I went by quick. Okay. Well, Be sure to check us out on TheRabbitTrueCenter.com if you guys want to check out our products and courses and uh, check out those uh, products in our storefront as well. Anything else to add, Russ? Oh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. See you next time.